everyone. Welcome to Coffee with the Queen. I'm Nicole. And I'm Cindy. We hope that you are ready to hear about the shady side of coffee. In past episodes, we've shared more practical coffee information. In the spirit of all things Halloween spooky and strange, this season of Coffee with the Queen explores the odd and occasionally disturbing ways coffee can kill, maim, and even convict you. There may also be a few ghost stories of haunted cafes thrown there. As a reminder, most of what we covered in today's podcast is available on our blog, coffeewiththequeen.com, and accessible via links on our podcast site, coffeewiththequeen.podbean.com. Okay, Cindy, are you ready to learn about how you can accidentally overdose on caffeine? I am more than ready. I am excited. I'm ghoulishly delighted. I am so excited to hear what you've dug up about the dark side of coffee. So please, Nicole, fill me in. <laughs> okay. First thing I'm going to say is I'm really glad Google didn't really exist when we were in college because <laughs> I'm glad I did not know <laughs> about the different things you could do with caffeine when I was in college, aside from just drinking it and tea, coffee, or soda. Just to recap, from anyone who hasn't heard our past episodes, Caffeine is a stimulant that encourages the body to rapidly release adrenaline. So this rapid release of adrenaline can increase heart rate and lead to an arrhythmia or regular heartbeat. Clearly, that's bad. (laughs) Simultaneously, while adrenaline is releasing, large doses of caffeine can block a key enzyme that modulates adrenaline in the heart cells, causing your heart to stop completely. And this, in short, is basically what happens when you have a caffeine overdose. When I say you have to have a large amount of caffeine to actually overdose, I'm talking about more caffeine than most humans could possibly consume by drinking in the time period required for enough adrenaline to get into your body to stop your heart. Good. Yeah, that is a good thing. So I want to warn you, we are a coffee company. This is a coffee podcast. We love coffee. I'm drinking a cup right now. We're we're telling you the, the weird and slightly strange things people do with coffee and caffeine, but it's perfectly safe. So for perspective, a standard cup of coffee only contains 40 to 60 milligrams of caffeine, while the minimum known deadly caffeine dose is 6.5 grams of caffeine consumed rapidly. So like usually within 40 minutes before your body stops metabolizing it. So this is like, it's like a keg stand. Somebody is holding you, forcing your mouth open and dumping the caffeine through a funnel down your throat in order for you to die from a caffeine overdose in this way. Yeah. I mean, I don't even think you could do it. It it would like the threshold is about 250 cups before your body starts metabolizing it. I mean, that is so much liquid. You'd have to have a camel bladder or something. And I don't think my throat could swallow that fast. I don't know. I've been at some frat parties where I've seen some of these dudes do keg stands and drink half a keg in one setting while they're standing on their heads. But I don't know that I've ever heard of anybody doing this with coffee. Yeah, no one should try to do this with coffee. Realistically, for most of us, our bladders actually just couldn't even hold that much caffeine and we wouldn't be able to swallow and drink at the rate needed. We'd also start hallucinating and seeing things. So you get so many signs that are like, this is bad, stop. But you have to drink a lot of coffee to get anywhere close to this fatal threshold of caffeine. So some of you guys, or you Cindy, might even be wondering how you can OD on caffeine if it's difficult to do that by drinking. The answer here is pure concentrated caffeine found in caffeine powder, caffeine pills, and now this one is super sneaky, diet pills. Whereas a cup of coffee has 40 to 60 milligrams of caffeine, a box of caffeine pills or a bag of pure caffeine often contains about 100 grams. So if you're consuming more than one of these pills or like the whole box in a short period of time, that is a lot of caffeine. And that's where things can get really scary. So Nicole, is this like those no-dos and that stuff that people took um, back to college again to stay awake to study? Yep. 
all kinds of caffeine pills. I think when um, I was in college, people were doing it with a Red Bull to the point where they put out warnings not to take caffeine pills with Red Bull because you hit too high of a caffeine threshold and people would start to hallucinate, go into these psychoactive states. Yeah, any caffeine pill. So caffeine pills and caffeine powder are really cheap. So for about $10, you can get a box of caffeine pills. And for approximately $15, you can get a pound of caffeine powder, which is incredibly powerful. Often this pure form of caffeine is marketed, as you just said, as like powerful, fast-acting stimulant that increases alertness and focus, boosts memory, and speeds up metabolism. So it's like the cure-all pill for I feel like most college females. I don't know if <laughs> that would have been, uh, like, frankly, and I, I think this is a cell that I probably would have bought had I known about it when I was in college. It helps you think, helps you stay up, and helps keep your metabolism up while you're just sitting on the couch studying. I probably would have tried this. Yeah, exactly. So you said you could get the pure caffeine in powder form. Is that unregulated? You could just order? Yep, it's all unregulated. So the pills are unregulated. Those no-dose pills, are un- they're all unregulated. Scary. It is scary. And I decided to go check this out this week. When you actually look at the caffeine pills, and you can purchase them in any pharmacy, on Amazon, pretty much anywhere where they sell vitamins or supplements, and they all say, and now this is like a big flag to me, they all say safe and effective on the cover. And so now whenever I see something that says safe and effective on like the box cover, I'm going to avoid it like the plague (laughs) because you shouldn't. I've realized like they all say safe and effective and none of them have warnings about the potential lethal dose you can take by overdosing. It's not like anything can be dangerous overdose. You know, I have a severe migraine. I'm going to take three Advil instead of two Advil. I could see someone easily being like, oh, I'm so tired. I had to work last night. I have to study all day. I'm going to take two of these pills instead of one of these pills. There's no warning to say that, should you do that, you might die. They're pretty scary. Yeah. You know, a few years ago, I remember, do you remember those five-hour energy shots? Yes. I remember seeing everybody at school downing them repeatedly. So it's very scary. It's, it's a bigger problem, I bet, than has been reported. Yeah. And so that's, something we'll go into a little bit later. It's not regulated. It's not usually reported. And usually it's getting mixed with other things. So it's really difficult to figure out what, you know, what really the cause of death or heart failure is. But quickly browsing online, like to add to this quickly browsing online and looking through different caffeine pill and powder options this week, it seems like the average pill concentration is 200 milligrams per pill. And the average recommended use for caffeine powder is one thirty-second of a teaspoon. I don't know how you would figure out what one thirty-second of a teaspoon is. It, it's Whoa. such a small amount. I can't believe they actually sell it and expect people to use it that way. Because, I mean, one caffeine pill alone is 200 milligrams of coffee, which is about the equivalent of drinking five cups of coffee instantaneously. This is wild. Yeah, so caffeine powder is even more potent, promising an average of 3,200 milligrams of caffeine per teaspoon, which is nuts. <laughs> like That's more caffeine than you should probably consume in a week. So even though the per dose unit is 100 milligrams, if you took a whole teaspoon instead of 132nd of a teaspoon, you could consume toxic levels of caffeine. And to top it off, if the consumer is anything like me, they're likely taking these pills while sipping on a caffeinated drink, like coffee, tea, soda, Red Bull, you know, <laughs> energy drinks. So you're really just multiplying this effect on your body and mixing caffeine powder or caffeine pills with a caffeinated drink only compounds the effect on the body and the mind. It can lead you into this harrowing, like psychoactive state that involves nausea, vomiting, erratic heartbeat, seizures, disassociation, hallucinations, and even death. 
So basically, when you start to hit that hallucination, <laughs> if you are drinking something or if you've taken a caffeine pill or caffeine powder and you start to hallucinate, get to the emergency room as fast as you can. Like you, that's your first warning sign that this is too much caffeine. This isn't just I'm overtired and I'm seeing things. If you took a Red Bull or like you're saying like that five hour no dose, whatever it was, and you start to see things or hear things or just feel disassociated. If you, your heartbeat feels like it's sped up, get to the emergency room <laughs> or like go vomit. Do something to get that out of your system. So used occasionally while abstaining from other forms of caffeine, caffeine pills, a caffeine pill or a little bit of caffeine powder is unlikely to hurt you. The problem is when you start or anyone starts relying on these pills and powders to just kind of get through the day or to, to stay up for extended periods of time and they're not keeping track of how much caffeine they're actually consuming. On the other side of the coin, which I never knew about and I was kind of shocked when I saw this, there are people out there who just enjoy caffeine highs and see it as a cheap drug to, to get high with. So they'll eat and snort crushed caffeine pills and powder and they'll even shoot up caffeine directly into their system. I mean, I certainly wouldn't, but I knew people that took speed all the time and loved it. Oh, my God. Is that actually what speed is? Just caffeine? Speed is amphetamines, but I you get the same sort of like zippy adrenaline rush. Okay. That's what I thought. I thought I really, you know, I'm not, I don't really know drugs to start with, but I thought I was really off. Okay. <laughs> all right. So people do that because it's so cheap. You know, you get a whole bag of caffeine powder for 15 bucks. It's cheap. It's available. It's not regulated and it's legal. It's terrifying. If I think about this, just putting it in a different perspective, people like to have their alcohol with Red Bull because they like to combine the effects of the caffeine with the effects of the alcohol. Mm -hmm. So people are always looking for a different new kind of high. So that doesn't really surprise me that much. God, totally surprises me. Okay, so we'll just stay here just so <laughs> we can officially say on the podcast, you should never ingest pure caffeine. We do not recommend consuming pure caffeine in any form, whether it's through a pill, through an extract, through powder just don't do it it's just a bad idea and it's really not how caffeine was naturally meant to be consumed it's kind of like drinking pure vanilla extract or lavender essence it's just not natural it's something we've done to it and concentrated but it's not how you'd ever find caffeine in nature so just don't do it and to compound the problem associated with pure caffeine not all caffeine is actually coffee caffeine while most caffeine pills are made from a pure coffee bean extract Many of them are actually made from a cola nut extract, which also has caffeine, but it's a different kind of caffeine. You could react completely differently to it. Personally, you know, for me, the most terrifying part of all of this is that most of the people who end up suffering a caffeine overdose from taking caffeine pills or powder really are just trying to improve their health or well-being and have no idea that the substance they're taking could actually kill them. So while there have been suicide attempts with pure caffeine, most individuals who suffer from caffeine overdoses do so accidentally by drinking protein shakes, consuming caffeine pills, and by taking too many diet pills in too short a period of time. So on average, one diet pill contains 150 to 200 milligrams of caffeine, which isn't dangerous, but could be if you consume more than one pill like per pop or if you're taking your diet pill with coffee or caffeinated tea. And to me, like this is really where things get tragic because if you Google search caffeine overdose, the most common stories you see are mothers who are trying to lose weight after giving birth and they're dying in their sleep after accidentally ODing on diet pills or people who've been teased their whole life and want to lose weight and turn to diet pills. They take too much or they become addicted to them. 
The other thing you see a lot of is adventure-seeking teens who are popping caffeine pills and downing it with a red bill or energy drink, kind of like what you said, Cindy. So they're th these young kids who don't understand the severe and devastating consequences of ODing on caffeine because they don't think of, you know, caffeine as being dangerous. You think of it as you have soda, you have chocolate, you have coffee, and those are all fine. It's not something people think of as potentially dangerous. And in all those cases where people are using caffeine either for fun or to lose weight, the caffeine high can become addictive as well as deadly. Yes. Like many addictive substances, it's really sad and it's scary and people don't realize the rabbit hole that they're climbing down. So as you said before, public service announcement, treat caffeine as you would think of other drugs and just don't overdo it. Pay attention to the symptoms that you're experiencing and just say no. Just say no, yes. So the good news here is actually, so now that we've scared you a little bit with caffeine, is that caffeine overdose is very rare. There's usually less than 100 total annually in the United States. So we're not talking about a big problem here. It's just more, should you be like, oh, I love coffee. I love caffeine. Let me go grab this pill. Just don't do it. <laughs> but even you know, professors who've studied the effects of caffeine on the body, including Professor Temple from University at Buffalo School of Public Health and Health Professions, she said it's very hard to get a lethal dose of caffeine when you're drinking beverages because of the time it takes to actually drink the, the caffeine. Like, once you drink the caffeine, your body starts metabolizing it. It's breaking it down. And so to keep a very high level of caffeine in your body when you're just drinking it is actually pretty hard, unless you're using a highly concentrated energy drink. The other good news that there's you do find yourself like popping caffeine pills or snorting caffeine powder is that you can go to rehab. They do have rehab for coffee addiction. So I think that's it. There's real help out there because that can be a real problem. But the real bottom line here is that drunk responsibly coffee is great for you. It's packed with antioxidants, reduces inflammation, tastes great, boosts your mood, boosts metabolism, and even can help fight certain kinds of cancer. But pure caffeine consumed by pills or powder, just in the hopes of getting that coffee without the coffee effect, is just a bad idea and one that could leave you very alert, peeved, and kind of lurking in the spirit world, haunting the halls of the pharmacy that sold it to you, if taken irresponsibly. <laughs> so I have to back up for one minute now. You said there's rehab for coffee addiction or for caffeine there is. addiction? It's for caffeine okay. addiction. I understand that, and I'm glad to hear it. Caffeine addiction takes many forms. And actually, for some people that I know, their coffee addiction is just, you know, a little unhealthy also. So, but I'm glad that that help is out there. It is. I love coffee for coffee. I love, like, that hot feeling and the smell of coffee and the drinking coffee. I can't imagine just being like, no, let me skip all this, like, wonderfulness and just pop a pill. Since we're talking about the way that using caffeine can lead to harmful effects, Nicole, I think I'm going to bring our discussion to something that's really not often discussed, at least not out loud in mixed company, and that is the use of coffee enemas. Okay. So have you heard of coffee enemas? I have, yes. Yeah, well, personally, I've never tried one, but I'm going to give you a little background into the coffee enemas and then... Talk a little bit about what might go wrong if you try to use one. Okay. So first seen in the 1800s, coffee enemas got much more popular as part of something called the Gerson therapy, which was a treatment developed by a German doctor, Max Gerson, in the 1930s. Dr. Gerson popularized the use of these enemas for many ailments, but primarily to stimulate the liver for cleansing and detoxification. And there seemed to be some medical validity to this use as coffee contains compounds that may aid in opening up bile ducts and widening your blood vessels. 
However, even then in the 1930s, the therapy while practiced was never accepted as part of a standard medical treatment. So why am I talking about it today? Well, because within the last 10 years or so, coffee enemas have experienced a renaissance of sorts. There are many new age spas that are offering them, and there are websites such as the lovely celebrity-driven Goop, which has touted them as detoxification miracles. Although as a caveat, I have to say that after there was some complaints to Goop, they did say that they were just reporting on the use, not necessarily endorsing it. Anyway, before I get into the pitfalls associated with the coffee enemas, I thought I'll give you a little more background. Enemas, if they're required at all, are typically used to treat chronic constipation or to clean out the lower bowels before medical treatments, such as colonoscopies. When this is done, your doctor usually tells you where to go or at the very least, what kind of kit you should purchase. That is if they don't actually give you the enema to use or tell you to come into the office to have it done or give you a colonic, which is a little bit more of an extreme procedure. It cleans out more of the bowels than uh, at-home enema. So to self-administer an enema, you would sit on your toilet, insert the nozzle in your anus, and then force pressurized water into your lower bowels. Sometimes the water would be retained for a little while or immediately be expressed right back out in the toilet. When they are used for medical purposes, at least as far as I am aware, they are never infused with anything other than water that's heated to a particular temperature. But in these new age spas, they're often infused with herbs or oils. And of course, what I'm talking about today, which is coffee. The spas really do this. Like if you could see my face right now, I'm kind of grimacing. I'm just imagining, but I still haven't gotten over the like, rushing through your blood cells moment um i'm having a very psychosomatic <laughs> listen kind of curled up in a fetal position as you're describing this but spas actually offer this like people want this in a spa yes i and, feel so out of touch okay and wait until you hear some of the negative effects that people have experienced and then done it multiple times anyway okay oh gosh okay so we have enemy use covered and i'm going to get on to some of the more gruesome stuff now. There have been various studies done covering the efficacy and the possible harm from the coffee enemas use. And so here we go. Some of the positive effects that are touted mostly by these spas from using the enemas include, but are not limited to, you wouldn't believe the list of things I found out there when I was researching, but here we go. Allergy relief, pain relief, a cancer fighter, cleanse the body of heavy metals. Okay, but I kind of understand that with the liver detoxification. Cleanse the digestive system of harmful parasites. Again, that sort of makes sense to me. Help with the treatment of autoimmune disease. Hmm, coffee up the butt is gonna help me. Okay, let me go on. Energy boosters, okay, caffeine. Immunity booster, okay, coffee and immunity, but still delivered this way, I'm not so sure. And then relief from anxiety and depression. <laughs> so it sounds like a lot of the effects that are attributed to coffee Somebody is trying to pass on to say that you're going to get the same effects from the coffee enema. Yeah, yeah, it does. Right? Yeah. So as to the proof in these claims, from what I found, the evidence is mostly anecdotal with no real scientific support. And scientists refer to these treatments as pseudoscientific. So it's like science fiction. Mm -hmm. So for coffee enemas, there is little proof to back up these positive claims. So now I'm going to get back to the gruesome part. I've compiled some reported effects from various uses of coffee enemas. And again, I'm going to throw it in there that most of these were administered, most if not all, were administered at home. So methodology of use might have played a role 
in something going wrong, but I just think that it's most likely due to the enema itself. So here we go. I'm going to give you some case studies. Okay. First up, a 30-year-old woman, she was suffering from frequent constipation. She used one coffee enema. The result, pain, bloody stools, and then upon further diagnosis, she was told she had colitis. A 47-year-old female self-administered one time. She didn't retain the liquid. She experienced rectal pain and rectal burning for three days afterwards. Oh, God, that's awful. Yeah, that's horrendous. It's horrible. A 60-year-old female, she was suffering from chronic constipation. She administered a coffee enema. She retained the fluid for 10 minutes. Afterwards, she experienced anal pain, lower abdominal pain. She subsequently was diagnosed with proctocolitis. And while the enema was not necessarily blamed, the medical opinion was that it likely contributed to the problem. There's more. You ready? Yeah. These people only did it once, right? So far. Okay. I, I read anecdotal stories about people that kept trying it because they thought the burn meant it was working. Yeah. Their butt was on fire and they thought that meant it was working. No, I get that. I mean, I put on face products that have made my face sting and I'm like, oh, good, it's doing something. So I can see that logic, but I don't think I could. Yeah, I, mean, yeah I don't think I could do that. I think I would just be like, nope, this hurts. <laughs> That's done. Oh, God. And blood. Like, ah. Okay, uh, okay I'm going to go on. Yeah. A 27-year-old constipated woman used a hot coffee enema. She experienced lower abdominal pain. She developed lesions. And subsequently, she got rectal perforations and was diagnosed with peritonitis. And the medical opinion was that the coffee enema may have caused serious complications that otherwise would have been avoided. A 69-year-old male male with constipation, finally a dude. Because this has been all women. And I'm like, I, I, I don't know. Like, what I've read was that no doctors are recommending this. But these women heard from some new age guru that it was going to help them. And they so they tried it. So finally, a man, right? Okay. A 69-year-old man with constipation, self-administered, bloody stools, colitis. And they thought that the caffeine likely created inflammation. And that coffee enemas should not be advised to anybody with these symptoms ever again. And just a couple of more, a 46-year-old woman already suffering from chronic pain and colitis and a 37-year-old end-stage cancer patient. And they both used self-administered coffee enemas multiple times daily. They both died, but they both experienced worsening conditions post the enemas and continued using them. The medical conclusion was that the coffee enema caused sodium and chloride depletion, fluid overload in the colon, and that the use of the therapy while it probably never helped them, it could have contributed to the speed of their mortality. And that is the saddest thing. Yeah, no, I mean, I think the takeaway from both of our, you know, how coffee can kill you, not studies, but like little recaps, is that coffee yeah. should only be drunk. Like caffeine is bad yes. if it doesn't go down your mouth in, in reasonable doses. Like only way to do caffeine in is you drink it in reasonable doses. Don't do anything else with it. Don't shoot it up you. Don't snort it don't inject it just enjoy a cup of coffee yeah down your mouth not up your yeah butt, please yeah oh god no i can't even like it's just not supposed to go there just not yeah i mean i could give you some more case studies because i did a lot of reading on that but i'm not going to because i am thoroughly I, i'm upset I, I mean i'm a little grossed out but i'm very upset also just even reading these back yeah i'm gonna stop my enemy discussion right here with nicole's advice you know if it's not um, recommended by a doctor, don't do it. If you want to enjoy your coffee, please, please enjoy it orally. 
in moderate amounts. <laughs> yes. I never thought we'd say that in our podcast. Please drink your coffee. <laughs> Just drink it. Or or you could like eat it in the form yeah. of ice so cream. That, oh, or one of my recipes. That's fine. Like normal amounts and even caffeine powder. Wait, no, what do you call it? Not extract. You cook with it. The kind of coffee you cook with. You have a recipe for it. You coffee can, essence. Coffee. No, it's espresso the one powder. Powder. Espresso powder. Guys, not the same as coffee powder. Totally different things. Yes. And when you use espresso powder, you use a really small amount. And what it does is intensify the flavors of your recipe. It's not going to give you a high unless maybe if it's chocolate, it might give you a little bit of a chocolate high. But it's going to be a safe high. Yeah, it's not a pure extract. So that wraps up my coffee horror stories for today, Nicole. Me too. We're doing a very different kind of series this time with Coffee with the Queen. We noticed that our listeners seem to like the more crazy stories that we told about coffee history and the other odd, peculiar little anecdotes about coffee best. Um, these are, those are the ones that you listened to most frequently and listened all the way to the end. So for this series, we are going to talk about some of the weird, bizarre things to do with coffee. For right today, this concludes this episode of Coffee with the Queen. So thank you guys for joining us. We will have links to most things we touched upon today on our blog, coffeewiththequeen.com, and on our podcast site, coffeewiththequeen.podbean.com. If you like this podcast, please let us know by giving us five stars on Apple Podcasts. If you have any topics or feedback you'd like to share or topics you'd like to discuss, we'd love to hear about them. You can either leave it to us on our blog, on the podcast site, or email us at info at thequeenbean.com. Finally, to learn more about our coffees, please visit our website, thequeenbean.com. Thank you. See you next time, guys.